Good morning. This is Tommy Ray, and we're in episode 35 of Water Rights, Laws, Guns, and Money. Today, we are fortunate to have Alexandra Davis join us. I think she prefers to be called Alex. Alex is the Deputy Director of Water Resources for the Aurora Water Department. Her job entails acquiring, protecting, and maintaining raw water supplies for this city of 386,000 people. She obtained her law degree and started her career litigating water rights for the state of Colorado. She was previously with the Colorado Parks and Wildlife managing their water resources. So, Alex, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Today, we're going to talk mainly about the anti-speculation issue. Alex can correct me if I'm wrong, but I understand that there's been some legislation proposed that would try to slow down this tremendous increase in the price of water. And some people think that speculators are driving up the price of water. And so I think the attempt might be to tighten the anti-speculation regulations. So we've just got a list of questions here that I'm going to ask Alex, and we're going to have a conversation, and she's going to correct me, and we'll go from there. Let's start, Alex. Should water, really rather water rights, be treated as any other commodity? No. (laughs) I'd like to give you a little bit more on my background, just to give you a sense and your listeners a sense of where my focus and expertise and lens comes from when I talk about water. Okay. So I started, as you said, litigating water rights for the state of Colorado, representing the state engineer's office, the Colorado Water Conservation Board, Division of Wildlife, and Division of Parks, which are now Colorado Parks and Wildlife. I then went to the Department of Natural Resources and spent five years uh, working on policy issues as the assistant director for water for the Department of Natural Resources. Then I left, spent some time in private practice, both at a boutique law firm and then at a small consulting firm, and then went back to the state as a water resources manager at Colorado Parks and Wildlife And then six and a half years ago, I moved to Aurora and am into the position that I am in today. And and the reason I lay that out is because I feel very fortunate that I have gotten these different lenses of the water world. As a water rights attorney, litigating in water court and understanding laws and legislation, as a policy director looking at trying to solve very complicated problems that have multiple stakeholders and bringing to bear state policy, local government policy, as well as individual stakeholders. And then uh, as a water resource manager, where we have to put projects into place and we have to work with stakeholders and communities in on a local government level in order to actually build water supply projects. So it just gives me a, that's where I come from. I've never been a farmer. I've never worked in agriculture, but I've worked with a lot of farmers and with a lot of agricultural people. I've not been member of a non-governmental organization, like a, a, a environmental organization, but I work with a lot of those entities. Appreciate that uh, background. 
I heard you speak at a conference about a month ago in Winter Park on the anti-speculation issue, and and that's what prompted me to ask to interview you. One of the things that you talked about was why water was different. Would you expound on that a little bit? Why do you think water is different? Absolutely. I think this is such a critical piece. When we think about water and we think about whether or not it should be treated as a commodity— like computers or houses or chairs or whatever else it is that you buy. And the reason why it should not be treated as another commodity is because you have to have water. You have no choice. You must drink water every day. The environment must have water. Every product that we use has a water footprint. Our food requires water. Water is life. Without water, We have no life. And the idea that those who have money would control who gets water, I think is a dangerous idea. I fully understand that perspective. I I think there are others that would disagree with that. And I'll, I'll just jump forward to one of my conclusions after listening to you and the anti-speculation issue, it, it would seem that the fear is not only the price of water, but they might sell the water out of state. Is that correct? Are you worried about that, selling water to California? So there is that concern. And in fact, that is one of the reasons underlying the existence of the compacts that Colorado has with downstream states. So Colorado is a headwater state. The water that springs from our rivers uh, goes to, I believe, 19 other states and another country. So we have eight or nine compacts, several interstate agreements, and a couple of Supreme Court decisions that govern allocation of our water resources between the state of Colorado and other states. And those are, at least to some degree, include this concern about interstate water marketing. Certainly the Colorado River Compact. Yes, you want to focus on anti-speculation. Not we can talk about compact issues another time. No, no, time. no, no. <laughs> I, I do want to, uh, I think most of the questions as we get into them are on anti-speculation. Uh, for instance, let's talk about the Vidler case in 1979. And, and by the way, I knew some of the investors in the Vidler case. Ah, that's great. Yeah. You're ahead uh, of me. Would you describe the Vidler case and why that failed because of anti-speculation? Do you know it? You- uh, I, I, I know it in very general terms. I haven't looked at that case uh, very recently. So I would rather, I mean, I don't think I'll get it totally correct. It was a company that had, the Vidler Water Company had developed water rights and they were challenged on the idea that their water rights were not being put to an actual beneficial use and that the um, they were appropriating water that was then sort of being withheld from other appropriators because they didn't have a beneficial use. And the court said you can't, you can't simply acquire water if you're not actually beneficially using yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think in the Vidler case they actually had uh, some water on the western slope um, that they were going to collect – with a new ditch that as the water melted and ran off of the mountain, it would hit the ditch and then flow into the Vidler Tunnel. 
and that's where the name came from, and bring that to the eastern slope and try to sell the water. And they were um, defeated because of the anti-speculation issue. And, and that issue in the Vidler case at the time, if I recollect correctly, was that they didn't have an end user for that, that water. That's that's correct. Yeah. And and that's something that maybe we can discuss a little further into our conversation is why that is so important that you have an end user lined up. So let's talk about some basics here. Would you describe beneficial use? I mean, beneficial use is a a, a legal construct that defines how water may be allocated in the state. The definition of what constitutes a beneficial use has changed over the last hundred years. Initially, when the state of Colorado and the early settlers were forming the Colorado Doctrine, uh, it had to do with agriculture, municipal mining uses. So putting water to direct use for something that was considered beneficial to the people, to individuals, to cities, to entities. As we have evolved and grown as a community and state, beneficial uses have been enlarged dramatically, the definition of what constitutes legally beneficial use. So in 1973, in-stream flow protection and protection for the environment was added as a beneficial use. Previous to that time, leaving water in the stream was considered a waste and was not something that you could legally apply water rights to. So now the anti-speculation issue is really hitting, the heart of it is an investor group comes in and wants to make money off water rights. Any investor knows that he has to, if he buys water rights with the intent later to sell those water rights to a city, at a markup, of course, he's got to make a profit. He knows that he has to keep those water rights in beneficial use or he'll lose the water right. Why is, why is there an issue with beneficial use in terms of particularly speculators? So I would say the anti-speculation law as it applies to beneficial use in Colorado is very robust and clear. And we've seen, starting with the Vidler case, but also the High Plains case, where the court said, if you don't have an actual beneficial use, you don't get this water right. So that law is clear, and, and that's why it needs to evolve. And that's why the legislature was looking at the anti-speculation law and said, okay, we have this very clear body of law in our state, which says water belongs to the state of Colorado. Water belongs to the state of Colorado in trust for the people to be used for the people of the state of Colorado. And therefore, if you're going to use it, our allocation scheme requires you to put it to a beneficial use in the state of Colorado. That's clear. That's settled. Everyone understands it. What's happening now is that uh, investors are coming in and saying, well, we can buy agricultural water and we can add 20% to the cost or whatever the markup is, and we can sell it to the cities. And isn't that great? We can do that completely legally without violating the anti-speculation law at all as it exists. And some people are concerned that that's an inappropriate benefit from a state resource 
that's there to benefit the people of the state, that investors should be able to come in, make a bunch of money off of a critical water resource and not have any, not provide any benefit to the people of the state, not provide any benefit to the water, not do anything other than acquire this profit. Water rights are exploding in value. And I think the reason for that is simply supply and demand. All the water basically upstream of cities, for instance, Denver, basically has been acquired. Denver, 30 years ago, bought all the water in the South Park area, all those water rights, because it flowed right into Denver. And now the main source of water that is close in are the agricultural water rights in the Well County area. There are water rights on out towards Sterling, but they're a long way away. And that's going to be very expensive to bring that water back. From my perspective, it seems like that the reason that the prices have quadrupled in the past 10 years has been the supply and demand. And the demand is for cities. Farmers know that. Uh, and so as a city puts together a plan to begin to acquire specific water rights, those water rights inch up in value. The farmers know that Aurora, say, or Thornton is going to come in and buy water, and they're asking uh, an increase in price. Thank you for this discussion. It's just I've been on the, you know, the other side of the fence, and I just kind of wonder what's, what's going on here. The main reason water rights have escalated dramatically is because of the municipal demand. And I, I see that only increasing. The tsunami of growth is coming. We all know that. I keep asking myself, where's that water going to come from? Frankly, I see only one place, and that's agriculture. You know, the statistic is that agriculture consumes 85% of the water in the state and produces about 10% of the wealth of the state. That's a no-brainer. And these farmers, I know, I've been to a lot of meetings where they will ask me, what are you doing there? And I said, well, I'm interested in putting together a water portfolio and buying water rights. And the farmers all look at me in disgust. But on the way out, they each grab me by the elbow. What will you give me for my water? They know that water is their 401k plan. And God bless those farmers that didn't sell 10 years ago because their water is worth so much more now. And I, I think it's a really, really hard decision. And Aurora was involved in the acquisition of the Rocky Ford ditch water rights. And there was so much pressure from locals, particularly the editor of the Pueblo Chieftain, I think it is, that castigated. Yeah, he publicly castigated those farmers that sold their water. My God, that's a hard decision for a farmer to decide. I'm going to sell my grandfather's water. But he's had four years in a row of devastating prices. He's he's hocked up to his neck to the bank. And along comes someone like Aurora that can use the water and is providing a really nice price. He should be allowed to sell that water. So it's very interesting 
As you just talked about a whole slew of issues that we could dive into. But let me start with the Rocky Ford piece and put on my Aurora hat um, because what Aurora did uh, when they realized some of the opposition, the city of Aurora and the Aurora Water Department work really hard to be good neighbors because the city is going to be here for 100 years, for 200 years. We the, the the city will always be here. We're part of Colorado. The city is part of Colorado. The people here are Colorado citizens. They work in Colorado. They recreate in Colorado. They eat Colorado-grown food. They're part of Colorado. So Aurora did, and this was long before my time, did this uh, very interesting program where they they said to farmers in Rocky Ford, if you want to continue to farm for the first 10 years, we will provide augmentation water. So instead of using that, it said the farmers sold their surface rights to the Rocky Ford ditch. They said, instead of using the surface water, you can use a well. And we, the city, will provide augmentation water for that well for free for 10 years. We just renewed those contracts recently, and now the farmers pay a fairly nominal fee for the augmentation water. So we have over 800 acres of irrigated land that otherwise would have come out of farming entirely, but are, are, is still being farmed because of that program. No, I applaud what Aurora did. The people that I'm upset about are the locals down there that shake their finger at those farmers that sold and say, no, no, you shouldn't do that. And I just think that's awful because, as I said, it was a hard, hard decision for a farmer to decide, I am going to part with my my water, and maybe I can farm an additional 20 years or 30 years with Aurora's assistance. And so, again, I I applaud Aurora, and I think Aurora is wearing the white hat here. It's people like the editor, the chieftain, that that make me angry. And and this is a really interesting issue to me. I agree. You know, we have also shared your experience of we being Aurora. I have not personally had this experience. My staff have, where people know that Aurora is interested in buying water rights, and people who want to sell will come and say, "I'd like to sell my water to you, but please don't tell anyone." Yeah, <laughs> that I'm because. The community will be upset. And why I think that is very important goes directly to what we were talking about at that on that Kawa panel, the Colorado Ag Water Alliance panel on anti-speculation, which was the issue to me, one of the really significant issues that is being discussed and is um, at the forefront is this issue between the individual and the community. So the community understands and people in the community understand if their water, if their water, it's not their water, if water that is currently serving their community in some way, usually through agriculture, moves out of that use to another community, their community will be diminished. The first community will be diminished and the other community will be enriched. Absolutely. That that happens and that has happened over the past 50 years. There uh, was a woman economist, Tucker Hart Adams. Does that name ring a bell with you? I, uh, I think she's retired now. But she explained to us 
that these little communities have been boom and bust forever. And I get to thinking about it, and I think, okay, a little community like Lamar, Colorado, years ago, they had a bigger grocery store, maybe a furniture store, et cetera. And then guess what happened? Along came the automobiles and improved highways so that it was no longer a full day's trip into Pueblo. It was an hour trip. And so those people quit buying locally and went to Pueblo because it was cheaper. Or you had, I when I was growing up in Colorado, I grew up in the Roaring Fork Valley. And before school started, we would drive to Denver to do our shopping for school, for clothes. And, and we so we would have these sort of semi-annual trips to Denver. It's this, it is that, you know, there, where are the resources and where do you have to go to get the resources that you need? Yeah, but I, I just, uh, I hate that uh, people place the burden of small towns disappearing on the back of water use. There are so many other factors right. that come into that. I had a great conversation once with a, a wonderful woman, Sarah Parmar, and uh, Ta- Todd Doherty, who work um, both to keep water and agriculture. So uh, Sarah works for the um, Trust for Public Land, and Todd used to work for the Water Conservation Board. And their goal is to help create situations where agriculture can continue to thrive and cities can get the water they need. And Sarah, being from the land side, said, well, it seems to me that water is the deciding factor on how land is used. And I said, that's funny, because it seems to me that land use is the deciding factor on how water is used. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very complicated. It right? is It and is it, very complicated. There's a lot of different factors that go into where is our water going and why is it going there? Yeah, and we try to simplify it. Yes, you yes. Know? And we try to say it's because the water is being pulled off. Well, yeah, that's a factor, but there's a lot of other factors. There's a lot of factors. A lot of farmers don't have children who want to farm. They Absolutely. don't have anyone to leave their farm to. They're in their 60s. They don't want to farm anymore. They need to want to retire. They have other interests and there's no one in their family to give the farm to, so they're going to sell it. And if they, they might be interested in selling it to another farmer, or they might be interested in not, you know, in selling it to whomever will pay them the most money. Yep, Alex, this has been uh, real informative, and I very much appreciate you sitting down with us. Uh, would you mind if uh, I came back and we continue this conversation at a later date? Of course, I would love that. Thank you very much. Okay, time to stop. As usual, you can provide feedback or ask questions at Tommy at NoWater.com, K-N-O-W hyphen water.com. Until next time, let's go listen to our beautiful mountain stream. See you next time.